When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Wicked South Podcast, exploring the dark history of the Murdoch legal dynasty and fascinating criminal cases on both sides of the law. Hello, friend. Welcome to the Wicked South Podcast. And I am Matt Harris. We've got Seton Tucker, of course, and we've got the historian, journalist, storytelling Michael DeWitt Jr. with us as well. And uh, hello, everybody. Let me start uh, with Seton. Good day. And where can they reach out to us? You can find us on Facebook at the Wicked South Podcast. Uh, Michael DeWitt. One of the uh, places you can find him is in the USA network with uh, the newspapers and he's got uh the book the wicked hampton county and the book on the murdochs the fall of the house of murdoch will be coming out sometime in november but michael let's bring you in to talk about some of the sponsors and we are so thankful and grateful that these folks have decided to join us so if you can support them by heading to their locations or their websites or whatever we talk about that would be appreciated. And then we will get into our story of the Wicked South, last witch trial in the nation. Or was it? Dun, dun, dun. So, Michael, who are we uh, sponsors we want to talk about today? Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I am, uh, I am delighted. I'm just as excited about our sponsors as I am about this, this wonderful story we're about to share. We're going to profile a different sponsor each week on our Wicked South Facebook page. We're going to tell you all about them, if they have anything going on in their their career or their business. Uh, but the first one I want to mention is Palmetto Pride Moonshine. The Palmetto Pride Distillery is up in Anderson, South Carolina. And I went looking for some uh, good moonshine uh, over the week, past week, after we uh, <laughs> we got them on board. And I couldn't find it at my usual uh, watering holes in, in Hampton, so I went over to Walterburg, where you know we had the, the famous uh, Murdoch murder trial, and I found Palmetto Pride Moonshine right there in Walterburg, South Carolina. And uh, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna um, you know do a little uh, uh, sampling of, of different ones, um, but uh, they have a blue flame that I want to try. I'm gonna keep it in case my truck runs out of gas or anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> Our next sponsor, Dr. Kenny Kinsey, one of the star witnesses of the murder trial. He has started uh, Kinsey and Associates, Kenny Kinsey and Associates, and he does trial services. But most recently, and I shared a story on our uh, Greenville News Network, he is starting his own private investigation firm. Kenny Kinsey, 
private eye. It just has a, a nice ring to it. <laughs> and but it only takes serious cases. So if you want to check and find out if you're if your husband has a side chick and you want to do a little surveillance or if you want to spy on your baby daddy and see where his child support money's going, he won't do any of that. He does serious cases, violent crimes, things of that nature. And our final sponsor, last but not least, is Rotten Little Bastard Distillery uh, right here in Beaufort, South Carolina in the 14th Circuit. And I'm going to be profiling them today on our Facebook page. Great. Awesome. Love it. And I uh, can't wait to taste it all. I am going to hit it up. Hopefully it is better than the moonshine I tasted. It was about five years ago, I drank some moonshine on New Year's Eve and it, it was it really burned going down. So I'm, I'm curious to taste these this ones. This is better. This is better. I think so. We're going to talk about a witch trial. Or was it? We don't know. In fact, uh, the article that Seton found from the University of South Carolina, it's a student research journal. And the title is Barbara Powers, Witch or Myth, The Last Case of Witchcraft in South Carolina. And that is what we're going to discuss today. And uh, Michael, had you heard this story, Living in the Low Country, prior to starting to put together this, this podcast and the book you wrote and that sort of thing? Was this legend that you had known about? This is something that uh, that I've never uh, heard of. When I think of of witch trials, I think of the uh, the witch trials in the 1690s in Salem. Um, and, uh, they used to they burned witches in Europe back in as late as 1750. And I don't think of South Carolina when I think of witches, other than a few of my you know ex girlfriends and ex wives and things of that nature. Hey, hey, hey. But, um, <laughs> But we ran across this case, and a, uh, a a good friend of ours, uh, Mandy Powers Norell, shared this article on her Twitter page, and she was talking about this woman that was accused of witchcraft in right here in the upstate of South Carolina in 1813, and that was uh, one of her ancestors, and she was proud of her heritage of, of being a strong woman and and standing up to to men in society and things of that nature. And standing up to, I guess, wrongful accusations and, and things of that nature. And so I contacted Mandy and did a little research. And this is quite a quite an interesting story. We're going to talk to her in a few moments, as a matter of fact. And you mentioned the witch trials in Europe ending in 1750 and the Salem trials in 1693 they ended. So this is 1813 or 1814, one of the many questions that you'll hear occurred through the course of this case. This is about 50 years after trials ended in Europe, 100 years or so after the Salem witch trials ended. And this case, it was, uh, Seton found an article, I think of 1971 in uh, a newspaper uh, in this journal, this uh, academic piece that uh, she came up with. It talked about a, a letter that was published in the middle of the 19th century in a local Pickens County newspaper. Uh, the edition of the weekly newspaper came out July 30th, 1859, and it was a letter about witchcraft. The letter was sent to Dr. Thomas Cooper, who, this is like 1837, it was sent, who four years prior was the president of what was South Carolina College, became USC. 
And Philip Edward Pearson was a lawyer who wrote to Cooper. And due to the contents of the letter, it's clear that the pair had been discussing witchcraft trials and laws relating to them in prior letters. So we're just getting this one. But it was apparent that they had been writing back and forth to each other. Um, This trial, as I said, not sure in the year, 1813-14, Stephen D. Miller represented seven to eight men who were indicted on charges of assault, battery, and false imprisonment. The victim, Barbara Powers, elderly woman, an elderly woman who lived alone in Chesterfield, South Carolina, and we don't have records. They couldn't find records on race. Um, the defendants claimed Powers mistreated a young girl who later asked them for help. Powers allegedly used diabolical arts against the girl. Let's talk about that. She was accused of maltreating by diabolical arts. Like, what is that? Michael, do you have an opinion on what that might be? It's important when we talk about this trial, it's important that we point out that uh, based on what we do know, Miss Powers wasn't on trial for witchcraft. She was the plaintiff. There was witchcraft in the testimony. Um, she was accused of witchcraft by this young girl. Okay. And, her, and the young girl's claims are just amazing. But uh, she was accused by witchcraft, and this group, this basically this mob, eight to nine men, went and got her, and they claimed there, there was a quote that they gently laid hands on her um, and brought her to the young girl's house and asked her to reverse the spell and, and, and all this kind of stuff. And Miss Powers, Barbara Powers, uh, went out and got a lawyer and said, they assaulted me and kidnapped me. So these men were on trial. And the most interesting thing is the young girl's testimony. She got on the witness stand and um, Judge Johnson wanted to hear her testimony strictly out of morbid curiosity. Uh, But eventually he just said he'd heard enough. But this young lady said she was tired and she lay down to sleep. And the old lady powers appeared to her, sat down on her chest, started violently choking her. And then this is the my favorite part. This this should be made into a Stephen King movie. She turned the young girl into a horse and rode her from Lancaster to Chesterfield and then to Sherall, uh, where she was able to jump through a keyhole into various shops and steal merchandise before she returned the girl back to her bed later that night. I think she might have been getting into some of this moonshine. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so, so she she turns the girl on a horse, rides her, shrinks herself, so she's small enough to go through a keyhole. It sounds and like steal a movie. Stuff. It sounds like a movie. She yeah. says she she shrinks to go through a keyhole. It's very unusual. Yes. And that's when they went and uh, these group of guys they hear the story from this young girl. So they're like, "Hey, let's get her." Um, and then the reason they get her is because they want her to heal the girl, right? Because they feel like there's a, a, a spell was on her. And so she says, uh, they say, God bless you, they, they allegedly say. And the girl claimed her health and strength were declining due to the hardship she suffered during this night of service she did for the witch. Yeah, you'd be tired, turning into a horse, not turning into a horse. But then right. she <laughs> says her, she, her health miraculously got better after... Well, the witch had to say, God bless you, God yeah, bless you. Yeah, God bless you, and then her yeah, health she was instantly got healed, better. Which is amazing. And then Judge Johnson, like you said, he, I heard enough, right? We don't have historical records on this, 
because it's just this letter that Pearson wrote, and there's nothing else specific about that. Other there's, There was prior witchcraft trials that were held in Winsboro, South Carolina. He mentions that in the letters, so that's where you get the inference that Barbara Powers may be not charged with witchcraft during the trial. And that's the last we know. There's no mention of a verdict or anything like well, that. I well. did read in one article that all of the men were convicted, but there's no mention of what they were sentenced to. Right, right. A lot of witchcraft scares, religious beliefs, uh, sexual and racial prejudice at the time. They don't know. There was no record of Barbara Powers. They don't know what race she may have been. This one article, this this the journal that from USC, they talk about how a Southern lady was at the time placed on a pedestal. She would not soil her hands with hard labor. She was, you know, her whole identity was through being a, a wife and bearing it, children. And so, if you didn't live that style of life, and you were living alone, you could be ostracized and uh, accused of being. Well, you're starting as weird and then move on to witchcraft and enslaved people were another common target of witchcraft associations as people were brought from Africa and such may have had different religions and people not make things up about them. So there was a common thread with race and women. You know, it wasn't rich white guy being called a witch. You know, it was the, the, the people who were... In society, was not looking up to, uh, so that all comes to play with Barbara Powers, perhaps. A couple of things that they mentioned, which lean toward maybe it didn't happen. I guess where dates were messed up, the timing of the trial involving witchcraft, and the time that uh, Johnson, who was allegedly the judge, Judge David Johnson, uh, were sworn in as a judge do not match. Johnson was elected as solicitor in the Middle Circuit in 1811, elected as judge 1815. Therefore, at the time of the Powers case, he was a DA, not a judge. But again, records, a little bit uh, problematic at that time. We don't have the benefit of computers and you know, great rep- record keeping like we do these days. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. 
Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. So let's uh, bring in our guest. We have with us today on the Wicked South podcast, Mandy Powers Norell, a descendant of Barbara Powers, a woman who was accused of witchcraft in 1813 right here in South Carolina. We are going to tell this amazing, crazy story, and we're going to talk to Mandy and hear some of her family legends and, and what these legends mean to her and the women in her family. Mandy, so glad to have you. Hi, Mandy. Thank you for having me. Hey, y'all. Hi, hi, hi. I want to start off. Was this something that you, this story, was this something that you knew from childhood or something you came to know as an adult? It was sort of, I heard some rumblings of it from childhood. My family, like, would only say a few things here and there, and then they would say, but of course, that's not true. And so that was sort of, you know, there was just a little bit here and there, but I didn't know the, I didn't know any details and I still don't know. I think y'all probably know more details than I do. It's just um, bits and pieces. And even the, you know, Barbara Powers was, that was my great grandmother, but the dates don't match. So I'm thinking it must've been, you know, someone you know, maybe her mother or or her, you know, someone in her line because the the dates don't match for it to be the Barbara Powers that I knew of as my great grandmother, but the locations and the legend and all that matches. So there are a lot of pieces I haven't quite put together. And that academic paper we talked about, they did not find any reference or sighting of someone by that name. But it was during uh, a time in our history where records weren't exactly verified and not every record was taken appropriately. And, and you said some of the dates were messed up. My great-grandmother, Barbara Powers, was born in, the, uh, in around 1881. So those dates couldn't have been accurate right. for it to be the same Barbara Powers. But, you know, this was a a pretty low population area. And so, and there was only, you know, a family name was, was meant that you were related to pretty much everybody else with that name in the area. So I'm not quite sure who it is, but for her to be the Barbara Powers that I knew of as my great grandmother, it would have to be the, the dates on the, the trial would have to be wrong. Now, your family's from Lancaster, but, uh, and it, yeah. the story involves Chesterfield too. Um, do right. you have family in both areas? Yes, Lancaster County, Chesterfield County, and Union County, North Carolina. And one of the questions they mention or bring up in some of these articles is what her race was. And I, mm-hmm. it, triracial, probably. Is that what you, is that? So you, you've had that talked about in the family? Well, that's sort of uh, the family in that area where um, they would, they're known now as uh, isolate triracial, which is um, native uh, black and white. Okay. And so that's a, um, but I mean, it's, that too is something that isn't really talked about much. 
<laughs> and so some some are native and white, some are native and black, some are native black and white, and it's sort of uh, there's a lot that is unknown. And this now this branch of my family generally didn't even report for the census, so I would be surprised if you found um, very many records at all. Uh, yeah, one of the um, the things that stuck out beyond just the crazy narrative and the crazy. Uh, witchcraft, witch riding on, on turning the young lady into a horse and riding around town. This woman was accused of witchcraft. And uh, unlike the 1600s, the 1693 case in uh, Salem and the cases in Europe and all these places where they burned them alive, this woman went out and got a lawyer. And, uh, you know, she got a very good lawyer and brought charges against the people who uh, who roughed her up and, and kidnapped her. and. Um, it's kind of ironic that her uh, descendant, if this is, in fact, you know, all these facts align, her descendant is a lawyer. And um, <laughs> but uh, man, so Barbara, Barbara got a lawyer after that she was accused of witch, witchcraft. Well, well, she wasn't getting the attorney because of being uh, accused of witchcraft. What was it, Seton? Well, according to the Greenville Times, uh, she obtained the services of a good lawyer and brought charges against the girl and her friends for assault and battery and false imprisonment. Right. She was the victim. Yes. Okay. But interestingly enough, in this article in the Greenville News, they said that Barbara Powers decided she would not take such indignities lying down. And I would assume in those times, a woman standing up for themselves was a rare thing. That's so cool. That's so cool. I love that. And that's what I love about the... um the whole notion of possibly being descended of someone who was accused of, of witchcraft because, you know, before it was such a source of shame and everything, but really these were women in, in large part. Some, I think some men were accused of witchcraft, but for the most part, these were women and these were women that people were afraid of because of their strength. And so just the notion that, you know, that to be descended from someone or possibly descended from someone who was accused of being basically a very strong woman is a, is a point of pride. Well, another thing that I found interesting in some of the articles that we read was the judge uh, said that he admitted the testimony of the friends because basically he wanted to hear it out of curiosity. Yeah, I had heard that too, yeah. that he didn't really believe it. And then he stopped testimony because it, it was just really ridiculous. Yeah. But he was interested to hear what they had to say. Yeah, you might as well. <laughs> yes. yeah. It's pretty uh, cool to think that's somewhere back in your uh, history that uh, the last witch trial was someone in your ancestry who f fought it. And we don't know. Right. Now, there's no, no word on you know what the outcome, if there was a trial, what it was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I was wondering how she did with this, uh, Stephen Miller. We have not seen there's you know, I've looked over and over again and there's there's no uh record of what became of the the verdicts, which which is mm -hmm. another reason why some people think maybe it didn't exactly happen the way they were saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually when um Sherman marched through South Carolina when he marched through South Carolina and marched through Lancaster, General Kilpatrick um tried to burn our courthouse by taking all of the the records um, from 
um, you know, the probate records and the court records and everything and put them in a big pile in the middle of the second floor of the courthouse and set them on fire. So we've lost a lot of our history in Lancaster County from before the 1860s. So that that is probably why there's not a record of that. Uh, yeah, that, that could very well be. And also there were no record of her in the census or whatever, because they wouldn't, she wouldn't have taken part of it. Uh, yeah, right. most likely. I mean, if she, <laughs> that that's more evidence that if she did exist, that she was a part of my family, because my family would not report for the census. <laughs> and it's partly because they <laughs> they just didn't trust the, the government, government because of their ancestry and, and all that. They were very, always very afraid that they would be uh, sent away. And what kind of law do you practice? I do bankruptcy and personal injury and uh, municipal law. I represent um, some, I've for years represented several municipalities in the area, Lancaster, Kershaw, and um, and Heat Springs. Right now I'm just doing Heat Springs and my husband represents Lancaster. You've seen some witches come through, but a different different kind of witch. <laughs> <laughs> I always, though, do believe with these kind of stories that there has to be some sort of grain of truth to it. There has to be something where the, the people just don't talk about something that didn't ever happen for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. I think that they probably, you know, have, I think, you know, as we talked about before, she was probably a very, a strong woman, a little mysterious that people were um, kind of afraid of. Maybe, or maybe she was just mean, you know, there's, a, there's some history of just meanness <laughs> yeah. in my family too. So maybe that was it. Uh, we all wow. have that. I wow. mean, <laughs> Well, I appreciate you uh, taking a few minutes to chat with us about it. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank I you, can't Mandy. wait to uh, to listen to the podcast and hear what else you found. Thanks. Well, thank you. Thanks, Mandy. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mandy, thank you for being uh, with us. Mandy Powers Norell is a super nice individual, very knowledgeable and talented attorney. Uh, she's got some experience with civil and criminal law. And a lot of journalists like me, when we need help understanding the ins and outs of motions and, and things in the Murdoch case, we, we call people like uh, Mandy. She's been my primary uh, source for kind of legal expert analysis. You know, what does this mean? Um, so just uh, a wonderful lady and uh, has a wonderful family story. So we want to thank her again for coming on. And also I enjoy her, uh, I don't call it X now, I guess, but Twitter. I follow her, and she has some really uh, great insight into law. Uh, now, the Wicked South podcast, we are only a few episodes in, and we are incredibly grateful for the kind words. And some of you have hit the donate button, which is fantastic as well, because there are some overheads. But also, you've made some great comments, right, Seton? Yeah. Overwhelmingly, we have received a lot of comments about Michael's ability as a storyteller. Uh, Rebecca says, Michael is an amazing storyteller. We've heard this again and again. I think we've had some uh, comments on Twitter and other X. Um, also, Billy says, my husband and Appalachian says, a known fact is mice get in your hooch and they're strained out. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. He's giving credibility to uh, Michael's story. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> And then we got a great review on Apple. Uh, someone says, great podcast. I love the history about the family. I'm doing a paper on Alec for criminal law class. And as I do my own research, this family really thinks they are untouchable. Well, it looks like they're not. Keep the stories coming. 
uh, and the Wicked South Podcast Facebook page. We have put up articles and links to the books that of authors that we've had. Only the Catherine Smith books are up there. Methodist and Moonshiners and Baptists and Bootleggers. So find more information up there, and we'll put up some more links from this uh, episode as well. And Michael, let's give a shout to the sponsors before we take off. Uh, yes, we just want to once again thank our sponsors, Rotten Little Bastard Distillery in Beaufort, Palmetto Pride Moonshine in Anderson, South Carolina, and Dr. Kenny Kinsey and Associates uh, right here in, in Orangeburg and, and the South Carolina Low Country. We want to thank them. Please support them and uh, keep keep listening, keep doing what you're doing, and we'll keep telling stories. And my next book, Follow the House of Murdoch, is uh, set to be released by the end of November, but you can pre-order now. So go to any of my social media pages, Facebook or Twitter. And a lot of the stories that we share here on Wicked South come from either Wicked Hampton County or Follow the House of Murdoch. And um, we're, we think this is a, a nice companion where we can tell some of these stories uh, you know, uh, verbally, and you can read about them in, in more detail. So thanks for listening. And thanks for all you do. M.M. DeWitt Jr. on the Twitter slash X. He's got some great articles of, that he writes besides all the wicked stuff. Uh, We're so grateful you're here. Please rate and share the episode. Hit that follow button if you can. And we will talk soon, friend. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.